0: Hello and welcome to Dig It. I'm Peter Brown and hosting the show with me today is Chris Day.
1: Hi Chris. Hi Peter.
0: How are you doing?
1: Very well and a, a very happy new year to you. Peter.
0: Thank you Chris and a happy new year to you. Do you have a nice Christmas break?
1: It was very nice. went very quick yeah. as, as
0: it always does. A bit but, damp uh, wasn't it? Snow sort of mm. disappeared and made way for... Lots of puddles, but, but
1: hey, but yeah, hey, well, it was nice whilst it lasted, a bit, a bit of snow, a bit of frost is obviously a good news good for gardeners in many respects, gets rid of those uh, those pests and those diseases and uh, hopefully will give us a bit of a clear ground for, for 2023.
0: Well yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's all the aphids and the sort mm. of tiny little flies that seem to disappear when you get a good you know, good hard frosting. So. Indeed,
1: and don't they say that, uh, you know, your your parsnips and all your, your root vegetables taste that little bit better with a bit of a frosting, so a lot of our... Uh, our home kitchen gardeners would have been very pleased with that frost back in, in December.
0: Well, certainly. I know my grandfather would never pull his sprouts before they'd had a good frost. He loves the <laughs> nice, strong flavour of a good frosted oh, sprout.
1: Oh, like I said, did, did it make it any sweeter? No. <laughs> <laughs> they, I oh mean, he, he grew
0: some fantastic sprouts, but mm. yeah, they were always full of flavour, I think mm. is the best way to describe
1: Okay, it. I'll... Uh, I'll, I'll think about that then <laughs>
0: and i guess well snowdrop
1: time mm. isn't it about, uh, january here and um yeah out the snowdrops pop indeed yeah and i think obviously a, a, a culture will obviously bring them on that little bit quicker so yeah get out and about there and there's lots of ways of finding out uh one of the best websites peter is the great british website which uh it's been to our go-to website over the last uh, sort of eighteen months. Doing doing diggit, hasn't it? We've referenced mm-hmm. it a lot for for going to visit gardens. But they've got a really nice uh, facility on there, so you can find your local snowdrop gardens, local to you. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a it's a good good resource.
0: Go out and have a walk and mm. try and burn a few of those Christmas calories off. Well, why like not? It's a good thing, isn't it?
1: It is indeed. Yeah, and it was interesting. The um, obviously we had the, uh, the 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 Garden Writers Guild um, awards back in um, in November, late November, yep. and this actual website we we're just talking about they actually picked up an award, which is really good news. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, one, one worth we're, we're searching out for. But obviously, um, there's plenty of, obviously, other snowdrop opportunities. A lot of the National Trust uh, gardens obviously have them as well. So if you're a member of the National Trust, check out your handbook or your website and uh, go and discover one, you know, perhaps just down the road from where you live.
0: Brilliant. And then we've got middle of January is Small is Beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is um, a talk which is... Actually, uh, it sounds really good because it's uh, Q graduate Alice Fowler. Many of our it. Listeners will probably know uh, Alice. She does, a, I think, a column for all of the, the Sunday newspapers. But also, she used to do presenting on Gardener's World magazine. Yep. Very, uh, she and she used to do a, a program, a really good program on growing vegetables in a in a back garden. It was all also, right. It was very friendly, very cosy program. And uh, and she have does, to hunt on YouTube maybe for ma- that. Maybe though. that one. Yeah, <laughs> but she's got. Uh, yeah, she's so, so obviously part of the the Q Garden uh, Mutual Improvement Society. So um, yeah, check it out. It's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's on online and uh, from 6 p.m. we'll put a link on the on the uh, the show notes for for that. So that's on the 16th of, of January.
0: Okay. And then um some nice winter sculptures in uh, mm. the great outdoors. Where's that?
1: Yes. So this is one of the RHS gardens. This is the one down right down in Great Torrington down in Devon. So uh, okay.
0: If you down that part well, of that it. It should be quite warm down there in the south, isn't it? It's yes. meant <laughs> to be a, a few degrees warmer than up here in the it is.
1: So this, this is the, the gardens, which are obviously famous for roses if you go there during the, the summer months. But it is a lovely garden. I've have visited it a couple of times over the years. Um, I've never visited, visited it during the winter. Right. So I think the sculptures will be a nice uh, opportunity. But it is very nicely landscaped. Lots of water, lots of evergreens, if I remember rightly. So it'll be a good, mm. good, mm. Uh, good afternoon out, I would have thought.
0: Brilliant. Nice one. And I see the great Pete debate (laughs) continues. Now the Mm. Welsh have decided to get on board and join uh, us British with banning Pete. Uh, For some reason, Mm. I I just imagined that because England was Mm. banning Pete, so Scotland, Ireland and Mm -hmm. Wales would... Joining the ban too, but apparently not these not days. Not necessarily.
1: No. <laughs> That's the thing. And uh, yeah, it was announced back in in December that, that after much public consultation, I think we said is it ninety two percent of respondents said the overall ban for peat cell compost was going to come into effect. So they at the moment there's no extraction of of peat in Wales anyway. So probably they're in a different sort of league to perhaps uh, obviously uh, over in Ireland and in Scotland. But it's it's good news that at least we're all now following the same.
0: Yeah, we're all good on board with the same route and path. So indeed, yes, yeah. Uh, what, what? And equally, I mean, what? you think um, the, although I think it comes from Yorkshire, doesn't mm. it? The sheep and mm. bracken yes. compost. Uh, yes. D- there'd be a good opportunity for the Welsh to uh, do some indeed. sheep compost, indeed. wouldn't it? Well, they do like, like the sheep wool. down there. Yes, wool yeah. sheep. Yes, <laughs> 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 Yeah,
1: well, it's the raw ingredients, isn't it? But uh, uh, so yeah, yeah. Brilliant.
0: And in the news this week, was it Gardener's World mm-hmm. magazine? The We Love Wentworth. Now, this estate, I guess it's a. Would it be a stately home? or?
1: Mm, it's part of a, an estate, a, a 82 acres of private gardens belonging See? to a, a, a grade two, a, a grade one, sorry, listed stately home near Rotherham.
0: It's enormous. I mean, it looks. I, I think I might have seen it in a film or two, but mm. absolutely beautiful-looking building. And um, mm. like you say, sort of 82 acres of grounds. Is it a National Trust one?
1: Or? No, I don't think so. It's not It's not showing up as that. It's part of the historichouses.org um, on their website. So I think they have a, quite a number of houses which they sort of... Uh, Curate and and obviously promote to the to the public. So, okay. this obviously picked up the the most marks and most votes. And uh, yeah, the the votes were cast between April and September uh, of, of last year. So yeah, mm. it, it sort of was that. But it's yet yeah, built in seventeen twenty five uh, by the the first Marquis of Rockingham. Um, and it's it's a yeah, it's one of the has is one of the lo- um, longest in Europe. That's what makes it look so stately. Looking at that photograph, ah. yeah. So yeah, there we I
0: go. Mean, in, uh, About. Twenty houses, at least, all in one. Yeah, <laughs> if you're so indeed,
1: right. and yes, uh, we're talking about it. is It's a went with a woodland Preserv- preservation trust ang- in partnership with the national trust. So it's, a, ah. it's a, yeah. So there, there's the key. That's why it's had so much, uh, lots of love and money spent on it since the uh, the 1940s when it went to almost rack and ruin by the sounds of things. So okay, well, m- yeah, major, yeah,
0: that sort of size building often does, doesn't it? Unfortunately, yes, yeah. indeed. So uh, that's worth a visit then mm. if you're up in Yorkshire.
1: Indeed, and it's famous for its uh, community camellias as well it's got a, a, a camellia house so and it has europe's oldest camellias as well so we're coming into that oh, season another yeah, couple yeah, of months yeah because they're such
0: beautiful flowers aren't fantastic. they fantastic and they smell yeah. a bit as well they're some
1: of them are fra- yeah some of them are fragrant but they just, lovely yeah. smell i always mm. think when mm. You, mm. you smell
0: a camellia in sort of january yeah, not much in flower at that time no. of year but they're lovely dark glossy leaves and mm. well, lustrous aren't they yeah.
1: healthy and yes lustrous as you say
0: and I see there's a call for all the seeds and plant collections to be sort of given a little bit of help by mm. the government to basically bring them all together, is it? And I yeah. think our friends over at Garden Organic and the Heritage Seed Library would mm. appreciate some help. I'm they? sure. I mean, at they... the end of the day, it's a massive collection of mm-hmm. all of our genetic material. And you just think, well, interesting that... The government doesn't sort of have any control over it, or real any. Doesn't really help it. Yeah, it 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 does make you think,
1: doesn't it? Because of our you know of our diversity in this country that we don't do that. But the the good news is that I mean the plant heritage. Uh, they've got over six hundred and fifty national collections, and I'm sure we're all familiar with a lot of those. We've, we've mentioned them over the last couple of years. We dig it, haven't we? Some of these yeah. major collections, and uh, I mean, well, the rhubarbs have gone the rhubarb- up north, haven't they? They from, have, yeah. They yeah. Have, yeah. From, uh, indeed. It <laughs> was <laughs> we were reported last last month. So yeah. yeah, So it's all it's all good. So if we can, you know, and it is the genetic pool all these national collections hold, which are key, and they are a real strength of of UK horticulture, aren't they? Well, massively, yeah, no, yeah, that, that's
0: yeah. it. And it's all very well sort of relying on people just to mm. be interested in them, to preserve them, which uh, thankfully there are a lot of great gardeners out there. who are Very passionate uh, about it as ha- well, yeah. yeah have, oh. have these uh, collections, but mm. equally, yeah, you'd think from a j- historical and a scientific point of view, it would be useful to c- preserve them as well.
1: Most definitely. Well, let's just hope that they, they do get the support and I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll report on it as and as when it happens. Brilliant.
0: And the Green Fingers Charity, which is sort of the garden centre and garden centre suppliers charity, Mm -hmm. so we're always pushing it and trying to... ...make donations towards it, aren't we? We now, are indeed, What yes. are they up to, Chris?
1: So, as, as you know, Peter, they, they're they very actively involved... ...in creating these wonderful escapes at hospices uh, for, for mm, children. Smelly yeah. gardens and central, sensory. sensory gardens. And That's sensory gardens yeah. and everything That's in between, yes. Yeah. And, you know, wonderful outdoor spaces... ...which, uh, obviously, the children and the parents can use. So yep. a new one has opened um, over in uh, St Oswald's uh, Hospice... ...near Newcastle, and uh, obviously... Massive fundraising drives by all the supporters, and it's just nice to give it a shout out because obviously they'll want to continue to raise monies to to maintain it because these sort of gardens once they've been developed, obviously need yeah they need the
0: maintenance, maintenance and yeah, from no, volunteers well, and yeah. this one's got a lovely looking dove cot which will mm. really go to paint in a few it years will indeed,
1: time. yes, and it looks like there's a lovely range of, of trees there as well, so it's been a, a major um yeah a major thing. and yes, the green figures chairman uh, Sue Allen, which is obviously Sue Allen's well known in the garden. Center World for uh, for her work, so uh, it looks yep. like this is going to be a good, wonderful, wonderful outdoor space, and of course, uh, Greenfingers, as we know, gets lots of, as you say, mentions, especially with the RHS at uh, Chelsea Flower Show time, and uh, and obviously high-profile garden writers uh, such as uh, David Dominey
0: And vertical gardens are branching out again, I see. Mm. I
1: like like, like the pun, Peter. Well,
0: they're growing trees now, aren't they? I mean, it's it's, it's a very compact and efficient sort of production system, isn't it? So it makes sense Mm. if you've got a propagation centre rather than having acres and acres of glass to give you the surface area to grow all the little cuttings to do it in a vertical garden,
1: isn't that, it? That's it. And I think with trees as well, there's a, such a massive, as we've already mentioned on on Digit the last couple of months, isn't it? There's a, such a demand for trees now, and it's mm. the supply and demand, which means that if you're growing plants in this sort of way, a very highly accelerated under light, special lighting, obviously temperature control, once you've got those seeds to germinate, and of course with trees, that's the, that's the, the difficult bit, if you like. Once they're growing... Yeah. You could really accelerate the growth in perfect conditions. So almost sort of factory farming plants in this way, yep. I think, is a definite positive. And of course, the technology is there to, to do that very easily and relatively inexpensively now.
0: Yeah, because I think originally vertical farms were quite mm. expensive, but mm. now the LEDs have become far more efficient and mm. far more refined, and yeah, the, mm. The whole systems have been proven now. They are coming down in cost. But, yeah, yeah, and it's a very efficient sort of clean way of producing things. So why not? Yeah, uh, indeed, yeah.
1: And, of course, by growing them this way, things like, you know, resources like water, you don't need quite as much water in the production because, obviously, they're in small cells. Yep, They're not in huge pots and things, which obviously keeps the cost down. It's just unfortunate now, obviously, with the energy crisis, that's now put a bit of a spanner in the works. But I think the the whole idea is that uh, if you can you know, reduce growing plants by 90 days, then that's, you know, production-wise, that's yeah. amazing. Um well, you're here. heating
0: a far smaller area mm. and... Uh, mm. Yeah, it, it, I mean, vertical gardening is all about efficiency, isn't mm. it? So,
1: And it's a great example it's, to, yeah, putting it to hardy plants rather than your sadder crops and your bedding plants. Yeah, too.
0: And now at the other end of the spectrum... Old trees.
1: Very old trees.
0: Yeah, last year we were talking about, was a 2,000-year-old tree? Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about a 500-year-old yew. Where can we see that then, Chris?
1: Yeah, so this tree's uh, found at uh, Waverley Abbey, which is in Farnham in Surrey. And uh, it's, yeah, it's one of the very first monasteries to be formed uh, by the Caesarian Religious order, so it's got mm. a lot of history attached to it, and obviously this one is uh, you know over five. It's a bee, isn't it? I it mean, it's is. got a massive
0: root structure, oh, wonderful. sort of above the surface. It looks yeah. like one of those bonsais that you see, which is grown over a rock, but it's a. Proper full grown tree. Yeah, it reminds Amazing. me of.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, t- it takes me back to the sort of the Lord of the Rings sort of era. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's expect, a good one, so, isn't it? Yeah, it's probably well worth a visit to yeah, have a look at that. There. And then mm-hmm.
0: second place went to the Portal Tree, mm-hmm. which is up in Scotland in Midlothian, which is a um, Rowan tree, isn't it? Rowan, and yep. Mavis no. Bank House, which apparently is one of Scotland's most important historic houses. Right, okay. That's I have to look into why that is mm-hmm. important. I don't know. Okay. And then third place, we're not entirely sure where it is, right? But it's a layered horse chestnut, and it's in Derbyshire.
1: Right, Derbyshire, big old <laughs> county, plenty of horse chestnuts. Well, horse chestnut's yes. a big tree, so I'm they sure it'll be. I'm sure it be very noticeable. Here. Yeah, but that, that one's has been. That's, appeared, that's interesting. That one because it's got. It was struck by lightning, wasn't it, Peter? And it's obviously okay. Fell over. Mm. Yeah, producing this obviously interesting architectural sort of. Um, yeah.
0: Roots yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and what have you. Yeah, we'll have to look that up and see if we can put a link on mm. the website for Indeed, those, for those we as well. find yeah. Yeah. yeah, a bit more But I
1: suppose either. the the key is they are all living legend trees. They've all got a story to tell.
0: Mm. And really, really old, I and suppose. Old. Yeah. It's yeah.
1: perfect.
0: And moving on to Christmas competitions, Chris. Mm. I suppose um, we should mention the GCA Christmas Awards. Indeed. Yes. Who won this year? Then.
1: So we've got uh, well uh, Moor Gardens, which are based down in Yeovil, Somerset, um, and Garston's Garden Centre at Esher. Uh, they they both picked up uh, awards.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, And when in Destination... Well, they're they're slightly smaller Small. garden mm-hmm. centres. Although I think Garston's Esher sure is. It's questionable size. size. I've indeed. not been to um, Brimsmoor, but no. um, mm-hmm. in the... Excessively large garden centre category. Yes, it is, is. <laughs> Barton Grange right. and um, Bentz, who are both enormous, mm. great size, massive, they, massive they?
1: garden centres.
0: And then Gates got third place, mm. but they're all up up north.
1: Indeed, that's, that's something about. Well, what does it say? I don't know. It's it's just a good observation that there's obviously lots of um,
0: great garden uh, gr- garden centres and Christmas displays there. everywhere, really. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's good and uh, obviously. Um, Despite, obviously, all the issues with you know surrounding our economy at the moment, the, the Christmas displays have obviously paid good dividends this year. Well, that's it. I mean, yep. we can still do a
0: good display even mm. if the... The, bu- the budgets are a little bit tighter, tighter. this year. Indeed, it? that, Indeed. It's yeah. fun to for make sure. a good display, isn't it? On um, slightly you know, it's sadder news, mm. um, the, the restaurant at Alton Garden Centre had a fire, didn't it?
1: It did, yes. This is back in, in last month, actually, uh, early part of, of December. Um, fortunately... As uh, uh, Andy Bunker, the I think he's the CEO or MD of um, of Alton, said that thank goodness for steel uh, fire doors and shutters, um, mm-hmm. they did their job. So, yeah, it was quite a, yeah. It caused a lot of problems. Fifty uh, percent of the shop uh, was completely untouched, but there was smoke damage elsewhere. But uh, good news is that you know, the the restaurant is going to be reopening again. Well, it will be reopened as we go out to uh, to air. Oh, excellent.
0: And if you're thinking of a big project for this year, maybe the research that Crown Pavilions, who are mm. one of the no, garden buildings um, competitors, can we call them? Maybe, maybe yeah. Provide us with this lovely building that we sit in. So um, mm. we'll mention what the competition have been doing, which is a bit of research. And yeah, they've um, found out that well, what's the top.
1: Yeah, so piece of the top features uh, their top ten, um, and this is basically cl- including the average spend. Um, number okay. one is decking, yep, which obviously is a, a big, uh, big amount of money anyway, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Followed by fruit and veg patches. So I suspect that's going to be raised beds. Um, yeah. And then you've got lighting, garden lighting, uh, greenhouses. Again, yep. from garden go-
0: offices, mm, mm, yes,
1: that. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I don't know whether they're going to be so popular now. We've all gone back to work in the uh, normal workplaces,
1: although that's yeah, that's a bit debatable still, isn't it? A lot of people are still doing yeah, work something, working yeah. from home, yeah. but yeah. a lot mm. more
0: are going back to so whether that will yeah. be the same next year. And then, you know, yeah, like you say,
1: mm. and then, uh, yeah, we've got ponds, uh, yeah, water features, and then, and then playground equipment, followed by. Garden rooms, so this is this thing, isn't it? You know, a garden office to a garden room. Well, wow. mm. it's an uh, interesting one, but uh, yeah, and of course, the last but not least statues and ornaments. So if you've got a nice place, your garden... But Chris, I think we missed the most important one off there. Oh, the barbecue. The bar- of course. The that, most
0: important thing indeed. every garden definitely
1: needs is a Certainly. good Certainly. And coming up and hopefully a repeat of last year's summer. Let's hope so. Uh, mm, yeah, yes, that be, that's be it. Good. Get a few
0: more barbecues going. Indeed. That's it. Brilliant.
1: But, uh, yeah, I mean, all these sort of researches which come out from companies, you know, you, you maybe take, take with a bit of a pinch of salt. However... You know, we know, you know, anecdotally what, what people are spending their money on, and uh, certainly, you know, investing in your garden. Well, there's nothing quite like it. You know, if it's if it's a, if it's good money being spent, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it rewards mm. you so many ways, doesn't it?
0: Well, that's it. Plant a courgette plant, and mm. you've got courgettes for a year. That's it. Now, I seem to remember a few years ago, chamomile mm. lawns were all the rage, but apparently TikToks now pushing. It's not potato lawn, is it, Chris? It's
1: not, no, not in this instance, but it's something quite equally as bizarre, and that's clover lawns. Okay. Well,
0: I don't see why not. I mean, well, it grows very well in my lawn.
1: Exactly. So t-
0: you just take the grass out and just grow clover, can not you?
1: But uh, it, it, yeah, so basically, um, the video on creating a clover lawn has been uh, viewed by over 62 million times on social media. And wow. that's it. Now, 62 million times is, is a lot of views. Um, this research comes out of the insurance firm Admiral, yep. and they hashtagged it uh, at gardening hacks, uh, and it actually has racked up a massive 1.2 billion views. But when you go onto TikTok and have a look, if you search basically um, clover, you bring up a whole plethora of wonderful videos: people sowing clover, yep. people cutting it. Uh, and in a very, very artistic way with their hover mower. Right. And to be honest with you, it, it, is, it is quite a thing. It's worth uh, watching. It well, worth to be it, fair, yeah.
0: I mean, clover's fantastic for bees. They oh, love most it. Most definitely, and yeah. And you mm. get obviously red clover and white clover. and yeah. They love both of them. So.
1: And they're very hard wearing by the looks of the, the video. People can okay. go across it as well. So actually, you know, a shout out for clover is not a bad thing, really, uh, in the scheme of things. But, uh, yeah, you know, again, we'll put the link on to uh, the show notes. And you'll yeah you'll you'll be you'll be clovered out I think. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant.
0: And I see Defra is letting the country down with plastic grass. Mm. So the Lawn Association. Now we had a very interesting. In an interview with David Hedges a few podcasts ago, didn't we, we? Did, about yes. how to grow grass properly? He's yes. um, mm. a massive advocate of good quality lawns mm. and, and real l- grass,
1: and and lawnmanship as well. You know, doing the right things at the right time, and yep. really taking pride of your lawn. So. With the idea of people using this uh, artificial plastic grass, really, obviously, riles him as a somebody who's very passionate about the real thing. Mm. However, as we know, um, you know the whole industry of, of plastic grass is a huge one now, and uh, unfortunately, the, the product is produced from recycled, you know, materials uh, which aren't particularly it's oil, it's plastic, know, isn't plastic, it? Essentially. Yeah, so essentially, it's the
0: oil industry, and um, yes, it's not great for the environment. No. And, Mm. It's, it's a difficult it's, one, isn't it? It's, it's it. such a hard one because mm. It, mm. It, it looks so authentic and it doesn't got, need cutting.
1: It's improved from the, you know the, from the years when you used to see sort of green grassets uh, on your local green grocers to yeah, what, yeah. what we've got now. The
0: market stall, um, yeah. covering that was a, that was, a nice that, was the, that was the benchmark at the time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the no, It's like turned into actually looking mm. like grass and yeah. so much better. But I, I, I've got to agree with him that yeah. fundamentally. If you want to improve biodiversity and Mm. cut down on our use of oils and plastics and all of that sort of thing, you've got to go with the real thing rather than.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that what his is gripe is to, to the letter to Defra is that you know is the government really taking any action on this? Is it just going to be allowed to to continue at the at the at the, uh, the whim of uh, of the proper lawn? And I think uh, I think we, we we've already mentioned in, in previous podcasts about the RHS looking at they were sort of banning uh, uh, artificial grass in their gardens at uh, a lot of the flower shows. Yep. Uh, and then there was a call that if they're going to produce this sort of product, make sure it is all from recycled plastic. It has a proper story which yep. people can relate to. So maybe if that happened, people might not look at it so uh, so solitary. But um, no, I'm, I'm with David on this one. I think uh, you need we need to keep uh, plugging the, the real uh, lawn. Real uh, lawn, yeah. But, yeah, yeah and yeah. just
0: you know, enjoy the fact that it creates a bit more work for
1: it. Yeah, and it has a bit of clover in it. It's not the end of the world now, as we've just found out. <laughs>
0: The world's largest garden wildlife survey returns in early, well, end of the month, is end it? End of the
1: month, yeah. 20, it's the, week, yeah, the weekend of the 27th to the 29th, Peter. So it's the RSPB Big Garden Bird Watch. This is where everybody is meant to spend an hour in the garden recording what birds they see yep. uh, in the trees. Coming down to your bird tables, just recording the different species, and then letting the RSPB know. So it's a it's a really good thing to get involved in, get the whole family involved, and get the children. Why don't my children love doing it? And yeah,
0: yeah, I think. makes me think I must fill up the bird feeders Indeed. now it's <laughs> a good time to start filling them up now if you have got empty bird feeders because it takes them a couple the birds a couple of weeks to come Indeed. back to your garden, doesn't it so. especially with the
1: cold weather we've been experiencing too yeah. yeah um so yeah, only count so basically you only count the birds that land not literally fly over your for <laughs> your property and, uh, and you you record the highest number of each bird species you see at any one time. Um, not the total you see in an hour so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's all about the diversity of what's coming into your garden yep. as well there uh, no if you go to their uh, their website we'll put the link on there by rsp.org.uk uh, forward slash birdwatch you get all the, the details there so uh, yeah get uh, get bird watching
0: allotments uh, in the news I mean obviously there's a big national shortage of them mm. but this is a really interesting article you found it in
1: God News, news yes yeah. so it's the National Allotment Society the NAS, NAS um, they've basically want to promote a new service to encourage all the housing developers uh, and local government to basically ensure that allotments are included in all the new housing developments. Well, I was looking mm. at
0: a brochure for a estate down in Buckingham just on mm. Tindrick Road mm. and they were promoting how they'd, they were planting, I think it was a, a thousand odd trees mm. or something and they were putting a, a, a certain amount of area towards parks and mm-hmm. space. But mm-hmm. obviously the modern house has a much smaller garden. Indeed which is great for possibly sitting out with a couple of deck chairs and that's about all you can fit in your garden. Um, But there's no space being allocated to actually allotments and growing areas, is there? I mean, a lot of places have community gardens Mm -hmm. and thinking back to the 30s, 40s, 50s, Mm. uh, local governments would allocate areas of Mm. land to uh, allotments. And I haven't seen a... It's, Anything it, like that recently? No, it,
1: it's very strange, Peter, because you know, if you're going back to the 1950s and 60s, a lot of the allotments were built on uh, on railway land, and yep. um, yeah, so um, network rail or the you know British rail, as it was, actually dedicated areas, which were obviously close to to the to the, to the rail tracks, but obviously yeah, yeah. safe enough for housing um, houses to use as as land for that. And they obviously a few years ago cooled back a lot of that land and sold it. Right, uh, which obviously caused a bit of a rumpus in the the allotment uh, fraternity. So that was going back in the, the sort of late nineties, early noughties. Yep. Um, but no, this is initiative. But if you ever go to, to Holland, I drove over to Holland quite regularly, and I've got family over there. And the, all the housing estates over there have either a community garden or an allocated allotment area, hmm. and they are they're beautiful. They're really well maintained, well kept. And, you know, people take pride in them because it's on their, their, their land, in a way. So yeah, yeah. it's not as though it's something, uh, an additional where other people might use. It would be, you know, enjoyed by the whole community. And I think, especially, as you say, with gardens getting smaller, this would be a great way of adding a lot more community spirit to a lot well, of these you new know, ones. I mean, mm.
0: that's why developers have got away with mm. making gardens smaller, because yeah. not everyone no. wants to get in and have, an you know, say, a big vegetable patch. No. But for those that do...
1: This would be the perfect this opportunity. This would be a very good
0: opportunity to be mm. yeah. knocking on the local government's door and saying, "Well, change your policies a bit and yeah. allocate some space to community mm. gardens." That to-
1: and I would say, as somebody you know, um, in, you know, into my my uh, mid part of my life, that in a way is a very which an attractive, you know, selling point of these new housing estates that I could get a, a, a little plot to mm. to grow. Uh, Grow fruits and vegetables on.
0: Well, you don't need that much space, do no, you? I you mean, don't. sort of mm. ten meters by five meters is yeah, more than enough Look, to yeah. mm-hmm. support a good few vegetables. But yeah. Anyway,
1: yeah. So uh, well, let's hope the uh, the National allotment Society gets uh, a little bit more interest in in, in the next uh, few years, and we see some changes. Maybe. Mm. Good, good, good idea.
0: And it was the Garden Media Guild Awards at the
1: Savoy, wasn't it? Mm. Recently, yeah. yes, that was uh, that was back in um, yeah back in late last year, and uh, lots of. Interesting nominations and, and winners were were, were awarded there, um, mm. and I think this, this this story is from Garden News, and Garden News has quite a few of the, the writers and people involved in the in the awards. And okay. uh, Naomi Slade, she picked up the um, the practical journalist of the year uh, for her notes on a small garden column for Garden News. So Excellent. it was it was rather good there like yep. that and uh, yeah i mean a lot of a lot of other journalists and and, and photographers were highlighted as well but uh, one thing I, I did see peter which was quite interesting is the the lifetime achievement award obviously this goes to somebody in the gardening world who's obviously added lots of uh, prestige to to the company they've worked for or brought a yep. lot of advice and information to those and uh, okay. this year uh, the award went to michael marriott who's the uh, Head uh, poncho, if you like, of of, of David Austin roses. So he yeah. he's been their um, their spokesperson on their on their all their wonderful work they've done over the years, from from uh, from rose breeding to bringing out all those wonderful varieties to the to the public.
0: Well, yeah, I mean they've got thousands of varieties mm. now, haven't they? they I mean, have they've indeed. really established their well. David Austin is one of those prestige mm. names now. Mm. In it's Rose's. a brand,
1: isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, well done to Michael for, for winning that uh, that major major award. Brilliant.
0: And I guess we should update people as to. Mm. What's selling well in the garden centre at the
1: moment? Why not? Yes, yeah. And of course, Mm, bird
0: uh, food. Obviously, we've got the big bird, um, garden bird watch mm, uh, later on this month, yeah. Share bird food sales with you. What's the best selling bird food at the moment? So,
1: the best one is wild bird food mix. So, okay, that's the mixed seed, isn't it? Which which, which we do, yeah. Um, and number two is uh, peanuts, bird peanuts, yeah. Uh, number three, um, fat balls, okay. And again, uh, in number f- the fourth position is wild bird food mix, but in a smaller, uh, well, it's actually in a bigger bag, isn't it? It's a three, it's a three, three kilo, kilo, kilo bag rather than one, one kilo. kilo yes. Yeah, so yeah. It's, well,
0: it's slightly better value, I think, from memory. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> And then you can have a sack in mm. fifth place, which yeah. is twenty kilos. So yes, interesting that um, most people are clearly picking wild bird mix. For their feeders, I, I'd always imagined it would be peanuts, which was the most so. popular. Yeah, but yeah,
1: I do see that number number six just teetering out of the top five is sunflower hearts, which you sort of expect as well. But again, I was quite surprised not to see mealworm. I know it's I know it's very specific to robins, which obviously we love to see in our gardens at this time of the year. But. Uh, I, I can never get enough mealworm for my, my little robins. Well, it always
0: disappears so quickly do. Since as soon as you put it out, it all goes, yeah. they love mealworm. But yeah, it, mm. it's, a, I guess, a bit more of a treat, maybe. Mm, so that's maybe, why it yes. doesn't hit the top, 10, <laughs> the top five. yeah. yeah indeed.
1: And the last bit of news that I think we should share with people... Mm. Well, the colour of the year. Colour of the year. So this this is a bit of a thing, isn't it, Peter? Every yeah. year, um, Pantone, who obviously are involved in the, the whole area of colour, have a, a dedicated colour. And this year, the colour of the year is going to be Viva Magenta. Okay. Um, and they describe it... Bold <laughs> colour, isn't <laughs> it? It is bold, yes. Yeah, so you'll certainly know if you've planted your garden out in that particular colour. But they describe it as very powerful, very empowering, yep. and... Uh, it's, <laughs> I just love the, the sort of terminology. It's a bit like when you you know you describe wines and things, isn't it? They describe it as a new uh, animated red that revels in pure joy, encouraging experimentation and self-expression without restraint. An electrifying and boundless shade that is manifestly as a standout statement. Well, you get all that from just a colour. colour. <laughs> Why really, not? really, yeah. <laughs> it's all good stuff, isn't it? And the great virtue is that uh, Ball Colgrave, who've, who've released this information obviously yep. for, for the garden center trade, they're going to have a lot of lovely viva magenta varieties of color to to uh, So, well, bedding plants, you think mm. of
0: um, yes. and um, yeah. the what are the trailing ones that often have you've got, you the got verbe,
1: verbenas, they would yeah. be in that color range. Oh, there's the whole host, and there's quite a lot of perennial plants as well. so yeah, I think it's going to be a great opportunity and really to make your garden stand out, to put a bit of wow into your, your summer garden. Brilliant. It's it's, it's a good it's one. It's going to be year. a colourful year then. It this is. Year. That's it is. our <laughs> prediction for yes. 2023. I, I don't <laughs> think we'll be wrong somehow or <laughs> other. <laughs>
0: nice. Well, now we've sorted out what colour we've got mm. to plant this year.
1: You got any jobs for us for oh, January? For January. So um, if you haven't been out and had a look at your your apple and pear trees, Peter, now mm-hmm. is the month to, to tattle those so okay. you, don't, you don't have to do anything massively wholesale, all you're doing is basically trimming out small amounts of growth to give the plant a bit more structure, any of those long lanky shoots, cutting back obviously the 3Ds, the dead, dying and diseased wood, chop that yep. out the great virtue of doing your pruning with the, your apples and pears at this time of year, of course you can see the whole framework of plants You've got, you know, I've got leaves yeah, yeah. in the way And that makes it so much easier, so much quicker. Uh, But like anything, choose a nice... Nice day, a mild day. Um, to do
0: say, does it matter if it's a frosty day or... A- it doesn't. Well, it, it doesn't, okay. it
1: doesn't. It does for us as gardeners. Cause it's yeah, yeah be, but yeah, the, yeah, the apple yeah, trees the, don't mind. They don't mind it at all. No, they're that's in dormancy, good. so that's absolutely fine. So nice, sharp secateurs. Um, so if um, if Father Christmas has been really good and it's left you some nice secateurs, then you'll be fine. But make sure they're nicely clean. And if you're doing lots of cutting of different wood, get yourself some methylated spirits and just dip the... The blade into that just to give it a bit of a clean. Okay. Uh, between between trees, yep. And Then that will then reduce any chances of infestation, you know, infection transferring diseases that's from a, one tree yeah. front to the next. Yeah. That's so that's pretty, kind of yeah. as well. You don't need to use any wound paints. So that's not really necessary unless you're taking very large limbs out. Um, then there's, there's products like medo which you get from the garden centre to to paint over there. So try and do that, but try and get it done by the end of end of February. So you've got a, a couple of months to get on with that that particular job.
0: Okay. And um, mm. I see rhubarbs in the news as well. Um yeah. to start yeah. forcing rhubarb. Though. It is,
1: yeah. So this is rhubarb which has been in for a year or two. So if you've planted some last autumn, don't force it this first year. Let it get on with establishing this yeah. year. But if you, it's been in for a year or two, then yeah, get yourself a, either a nice rhubarb force. I know we've got some nice ones at the garden centre mm. here.
0: They're, I mean, they're lovely terracotta. They are. Sort oh. of... <laughs> I don't know what you call them, jars or jars, yes. pots. Yeah. I suppose, but with, yeah. a, with a
1: nice big lid on the top. Yeah, they, I, they do yeah. look nice, but they're they're a few pounds. Yeah, yes, yes. Nice. No, they're not. But they they do look, and they are part of the, the character of your garden, aren't they? In a way, when you put one of those there, you're you're making a statement that yeah. you, you grow rhubarb. So, but of course, you you're just trying to accelerate the growth under the the container. But you can use a you know dust dustbin, you know, a very large bucket, large pot. But hmm. you, all you're trying to do basically with rhubarb forcing is to exclude the light That's okay all. no no heat just exclude the light and of course then the plant starts to trigger growth under under that that bucket and off it goes, off it goes. yeah Brilliant. so try and do that and now we've obviously had some really cold weather back in December that yep. should help the process through through January okay and um, thinking about um, encouraging things um wildlife of course yep. now um so maybe have a have a look around the garden maybe you know I- identify areas where you want to perhaps do some wildflower seed sowing and such like or or maybe try and encourage some more beneficial insects into your garden yeah january and february are a good time just to have a look at, look around and uh, make that make that make that call and then obviously get yourself some seeds or for for s- sowing, you know, in, in March. So uh, yeah, a bit of bit of uh, planning if you want to go for if you want to go for the the, the encouragement of of, of, of uh, beneficial insects. Fair enough, good stuff. And leaf
0: curl, mm. peach leaf curl. What do we need to think about in January? with Yeah, to so
1: so if you're growing peaches, nectarines against a wall, um, then really it's a matter of keeping your peach tree a lot drier. Okay. So. That's why it's always good to wall train or fan train your peach trees if you can. Um, yep. We have a bit of a problem at the garden centre. Getting hold of peach trees is quite tricky these days. They're not grown as widely as they used to be. Right. So when you do manage to get a plant, yeah, you'll probably fan train it against a, a wall or a fence. But then put some sort of structure over. So maybe you get some nice uh, fleece or something and then drop that over the plant to keep the plant a little bit drier through the winter months. Okay, and that will that will help. Of course, there's no fungicides on the market now we could recommend for peach leaf curls. so it's all down to the the basic the the care um, of the plant. Indeed, yeah, mm. keeping the plant drier through the winter months, and uh, then hopefully you won't have such a bad attack yeah. come uh, come the spring. And obviously, with with peaches and all fruit, you know, once we get into late January, February, start mulching and improving the soil around the base of these plants, just to give them that help in the spring when they start to come into growth mm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And, well, potatoes Ooh. are in the shop. All, yes. um, for, I don't know, 48 varieties, I think, we've so got was this a, year. So it was a
1: good sight to see, isn't it? You know, yeah. string is on the way. <laughs> Definitely.
0: The potatoes come out into mm. the shop, and yeah, mm. it's a lovely smell, the sort of earthy yes. smell that potatoes mm. have in the shop. And yeah, but I guess starting uh, thinking about. Going and selecting them, hmm. and what is it? Golf ball sized potatoes? Yes, you want yeah, uh,
1: yeah, the size of a he- large hen's egg, isn't it? Something. that something they usually say: hen's egg size, or, or okay. maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, quite a yeah. I mean, big a Golf stuff,
0: ball yeah. or a hen's is egg? That that depends <laughs> on what size hen you've got, I suppose, <laughs> doesn't it? But yes. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, good, <laughs> yeah. good size,
1: nice uniform size, and get yourself some obviously egg carton. So, if, yep. you're, if you're planning to do that, make sure you sort of save a few of those up and uh, recycle those when you've. Uh, You've used your eggs because they're the perfect little compartment to yeah, yeah. space the uh, space them out in and yep. give them all a little bit of room to develop and produce those little little chits. Uh, yeah, because I, I just
0: put mine out in the garage as mm. it's um, relative. It's not heated. It's relatively mm. cool in there, but it's frost free. Mm. Um, That's so the most important They always seem to do okay in there yeah. and send their little yeah. white shoots up. Yeah,
1: cool, cool cool and light is the secret, isn't it? With, with uh, chitting. Uh, Potatoes—they don't. Yeah, any warmth you'll get to straggly growth, which of course you don't want if you're starting early. And really, you know, the most important thing is if you're going to grow early and second earlies, yeah, January is the, is the month to to get those varieties before they they sell out. Mm. And I'm thinking also as well, Peter, there's a few things you can start to sow um, as well. I'm thinking on the windowsill, we all like to get going. Microgreens, of course, they're they're good fun. Um, You can
0: grow them all year round, can't you? You can, yeah. Sort of the mustards and Mm cresses and... um those fancy mm. purple shooty things that you uh, see yes, in yeah. fancy restaurants. I don't yes do know what yeah. they're
1: called. And then you've got things like Radish and Rocket as well, which obviously are good for your for your salads, for your for your sandwiches and things as well. So there's quite a good range now. The the range we do I have noticed in the shop includes things like coriander, coriander foliage too. So mm-hmm. get a little bit of a, a bite to your to your sandwiches yeah. and things and to your salad. So have a have a go with those. Um it has all moved on since uh, the, the mustard and crest days hasn't it there's, there's lots of, there's the of choices. yeah definitely yeah
0: yeah. yeah yeah i can remember as a child growing um those bean sprouts i mm. think it was in the little, yeah. little no it's so sort of funny
1: alfalfa was it alfalfa? Uh, yeah yeah
0: maybe that's what it was it, they looked like bean sprouts but yeah. they probably were alfalfa <laughs> <laughs>
1: but they, they, they yeah. tasted all right and they mm. were okay
0: yeah to be fair they were worth worth doing
1: yeah indeed and uh, then going into the garden, I suppose, uh, our winter bedding, obviously that's taken a bit of a, a battering over the last few weeks, but, yep. uh, you know, winter bedding is programmed to, to flower on shorter, colder days, so just make sure the plants are regularly deadheaded, remove all those spent flowers, uh, if you've not had a chance over the last few weeks, get out there, give them a good clean-up, and they should start to reward you with some glorious flowers over the next few weeks as the, the day lengths start to increase as we get into into February. Mm. Okay.
0: Black spots on hellebores. Mm. That's um, yes. not a positive, is it? You no, hellebores are a lovely sort of winter flowering. Yeah, plants, mm. aren't they? But obviously, yeah, they do get.
1: They do, and it's a, bit such of a shame, fl- isn't it? it? It really sort of spoils the show. It's interesting. That, I mean, I've got one in, in the garden now, which actually has, has been flowering since the end of October. And, okay, and it, it's um, its leaves are looking <laughs> a bit the worse for wear but be 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 you know proactive and remove any of those you know badly damaged leaves it's not the end of the world you getting rid of the, the fungal spores and make sure yep. they're, they're destroyed either incinerated or put in the the green waste bin and get 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 shot off them before they reinfect the soil that's quite important because uh, hellebores you know they sit there they get bigger and better every year so anything which is going to hit their their vigor in yeah, the future you years, get rid of future indeed so that's that's important as well and if you're, you're being really tidy in the garden and again we're always a very divided nation when it comes to winter tidying because we're always thinking about our wildlife but if you are going around you know chopping things back just bear in mind that a lot of wildlife you know take refuge in you know in, in grasses and things so um, be think be th- you yeah. know think about them a little bit as you as you're going around with your your secateurs and loppers this okay month. Mm-hmm.
0: and a good time of year to cut back rosa rugosa.
1: yes so obviously hedging roses i was gonna say that's uh, yeah, the yeah.
0: extra prickly one isn't it it, is it from memory? Oh gosh, Rosa, it is Rosa rugosa. It's, mm.
1: it's my f- mm. yeah least favorite rose in the garden. If you've
0: Got some very good gloves. <laughs> yes, we might suggest having a think about cutting. Indeed, just <laughs> yeah, give it, give it,
1: give it, give it a bit of thought. But however, the reason I, you know because you might think oh um, you know didn't uh, Peter and Chris mention about ro- you know pruning roses back in November, which we did. However, Rosa rugosa, of course, are grown for the hips. Yep, which are hopefully by Probably the end of this month time time f- they should have disappeared finished, yeah. yeah the other hips gone. all they've been taken by the birds and the other uh, other mammals as well as food so yes there comes that point where you've got to give the plants a bit of a trim back to start to stimulate the shoots to give you the framework which you'll carry your flowers for yeah for this for later year. The year yeah so uh, yeah so go go along and yeah how much do you cut them back by half I mean you can be, you can go quite quite hard with uh, Rosa rugosa so it comes back it's with such a mm,
0: virulent plant when it's established isn't it you can, yeah yeah it's a really good one for perfect um, yeah. creating barriers certainly <laughs> <laughs> it did
1: yes hence the gloves are very very essential yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and also it's the rest of the roses as as we say we 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 we're trimming those back back in November to to stop wind rock. So maybe do do check those especially if you've got uh, roses on, you know, climbing, you know, frames or make sure they're all nicely tied in and secure over the winter because they can come unstuck and of course that's yep. the worst thing you want is the the, the winter gales to to, to break those uh, vulnerable stems as well. So yeah, go around and tie in fact tie in all your climbers which might look a bit vulnerable, your clematis and uh Maybe your wisteria, those new ones you, you planted last year. Great stuff. Okay, well, thanks for that, Chris. Pleasure.
0: And in a couple of weeks' time, Chris, who we got coming in to chat to us?
1: Right, we're, we're going to be delighted to be welcoming Charles Downing. He okay. uh, he is the no, no dig guru. Yeah. So I like him. Yeah. <laughs> already, just, uh, <laughs> already, without even uh,
0: having interviewed him yet, uh, just the idea of no dig. He, he's into. Well, his, his, essentially, it's mulching, isn't it? Mulching, and, but yeah. I'm so keen to learn more about yeah. this because
1: there's, there's a little bit more to it, just that. But however, he's he's uh, the way he explains it and his, his processes. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to chatting to him. It should be a really good interview, and that's uh, that'll be the middle of uh, middle of, this middle month, of January, a couple yeah. of weeks time. Fifteenth, yeah. it goes out, doesn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah,
0: as always. Please tell your friends about mm. our show if you do enjoy it. It's been great having you with us for this show.
1: Indeed, indeed, and uh, yeah, if you like the show, please subscribe. Thanks, then, Chris. Thank you, Peter. Today's show was brought to you by Buckingham Garden Centre and Nurseries. The show was hosted by Chris Day and Peter Brown. The show was produced by Peter Brown, and our thanks to Chilton Music Therapy for providing the music. Thanks for listening. At Chilton Music Therapy. We want everyone to know the difference that music can make in their lives. From parents and their premature babies in hospital to grandparents with dementia. We provide music therapy and community music services to people of all ages and needs across England. We work both digitally and in person in people's homes, care homes, schools, hospitals, and hospices. Find out more at childrenmusictherapy.co.uk.